Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Lord, I know we kind of rush to get here and, and sometimes we kind of run in the door and are just now catching. I want to begin this one, if I could, by just sharing some exciting news about our church. As, as many of you know, our um, church is growing and, and reaching more people and missions especially is growing and, and we're just having a, a, a lot of people involved in mission opportunities. I think we've got 17 trips next year alone, lots of local stuff ongoing. The magazine is out, you can read all about it. But because missions has grown so much for us, uh, we've kind of shuffled some staff around a little bit. We've moved some things around. We brought Randy Presley and several, several years ago to do adult education for us and because missions has grown so much we've kind of migrated him more and more towards missions and we've got so much going on now that we've kind of moved him exclusively to missions and so we're we're kind of backing up now and realizing uh, we need to fill that spot of adult ministries and so we've been looking the personnel team and finance team approved last year to create a new position for us which is very exciting and so we formed a search team Russell Cleveland Adam McCurry Greg Aldridge Tamara Oliver, Tamara Oliver, Megan Fry, Amy Brown, and myself, we've been looking now for several months and praying and asking the Lord to guide us, and we've received a, a lot of resumes. You'd be amazed at the number of resumes we've received, some very qualified individuals. We just spent a lot of time praying and fasting and trusting the Lord and just asking Him to lead us. Uh, and I'm excited to tell you that after really many months of searching, our adult search team believes that God is leading us to call a man named Jeremy Phillips as our next adult ministries pastor. Our team met last Wednesday night and voted unanimously to recommend him to the church. Now, I want to be clear about the process here, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jeremy. It's the job of the search team to recommend to the church. It's not our job to hire. And so what we'll do is we'll recommend this person to you, and we're going to bring Jeremy down in a couple of weeks, and you can meet his family and ask him questions. Uh, Jeremy has been serving with the International Mission Board in Indonesia for about 10 years, which is really cool. And you're, you may be thinking, wait a minute, I thought we were bringing somebody in to do discipleship, not missions. Why are we bringing a guy in that's been working with IMB? Here's what we just loved about Jeremy and really fell in love with him about. Uh, he's kind of a guy that, that does discipleship, and he did it overseas, if that makes sense. He's got, he's got a huge heart and passion for discipleship and adult ministries and leadership development. And so I'm very excited uh, about what he brings to the table, his level of expertise, his background. I think you're going to be amazed at all he's done and accomplished, his heart for reaching people, sharing Christ discipling people. And so here's what the schedule is going to look like. We want to give you every chance to get to know him. You could call me and ask specific questions before this day, but in two weeks, that's October the 23rd, we're going to bring Jeremy back down. He's currently living in Tennessee, wife and two little children. We're going to bring him down on the 23rd, uh, introduce him to you. He'll stand up here and he'll give a brief testimony, tell a little bit about his family. Then that afternoon, the afternoon of the 23rd from 2 until 4 p.m. in the fellowship hall, you can come and meet him ask him questions. Our search team will be there. You can ask us questions about the process. And then a week later on October 30th, our church is going to be asked to vote to call him as our next pastor of adult ministries. So you've got several weeks between now and then to be praying about what the Lord would have you to do, opportunity to meet him when he gets here. Between now and then, if you have any specific questions, please feel free to call me, email me. Love to talk to you about what's going on and, and how we arrived at this position. But I would just say to you, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that our team believes this is the guy the Lord's calling us to hire. We were unanimous in our decision after months of prayer and, and just trusting the Lord. 
I think you're going to love him. I think he's going to bring some, some really neat qualities to our church, and I think the Lord is going to bless him and our ministries in a lot of ways. So you just be in prayer about that. You'll meet him in a few weeks, uh, and you'll hear a lot more about that as we move forward. Okay, let me pray for us now, and we're going to jump right into our scripture. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our church, Lord, for the growth we've seen and, and, and for all the mission opportunities you've given us here and around the world. Lord, I pray for our time together this morning. I pray that as we open the truth of your word, you would speak very clearly to us. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, to be able to see you, to know you, to understand you more. And then, Lord, I pray through the power of the Spirit working in our hearts, we could be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This is, I think, our seventh week in our sermon series that we've entitled Sent. And it's a sermon series where we're walking through Scripture, looking at all the times that the Lord sent people to accomplish His will. And so we've used this little sentence, this little phrase every week to kind of encourage you, to remind you of what the Lord's doing. I've started every sermon series with this little statement, we serve a sending God. Let me say that again. We serve a sending God. We serve a God who really from the beginning of time all through scripture has been sending people to accomplish his will. And so we've been looking at examples in scripture where the Lord literally used the word sent over and over and over again. We kind of started the series by looking at the gospel of John and we said that Jesus Christ was sent in the gospel of John 40 different times. Isn't that amazing? Over 40 times the word sent is used explaining what Christ came to do. We studied Isaiah and Ezekiel and Paul. And every time we've studied them, we've seen that the Lord very clearly uses this word and explains they have been sent. And so we've kind of tried to apply this now to our lives, right? We're trying to understand how we take the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and apply it to our lives so we can live for Christ. And we've said... This question, we've asked this question every single week. What is God sending you to do? If God sent Christ and Christ sent us and from the beginning God has been sending people to accomplish his purposes, what has the Lord sent you to accomplish? And so we've given you an acronym. We're going to bring it up on the screen just to show you, to kind of help you understand a little bit better what this word sent means. So we said sent, S-E-N-T, S is spirit empowered. Every time we study this, We've seen that the Lord sends people and he empowers them with the Spirit to accomplish great things for him. E is evangelistic. He sent people out in the power of the Spirit to be evangelistic, to share their faith, to lead people to Jesus Christ. We saw this last week in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus had kind of explained to his disciples that he's, that he's walking back to Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified for his faith. He's going to willingly give up his life. And on the process of walking south to Jerusalem from the area of Galilee, he's going to begin to send out 72 different people in pairs. He's going to send them out to the towns and the villages that he's about to go through with a simple purpose of sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. And so this week, as we continue our study... Continue our understanding of E, evangelistic. We're going to turn our attention to Romans chapter 10. Now, Romans is a, is a fantastic book. I'll, I'll never forget many, many years ago when I was reading through the New Testament for the first time. And by the way, if you've never read through scriptures, you should do that. 
You should make it maybe more kind of your life's goal or, or one of the goals for this nature to read through the old or the new or all the Bible together. But I was reading through the New Testament for the first time and you read through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you get the, the story of Christ and the story of his miracles and, and, and what he's accomplished and, of course, his crucifixion and his resurrection. You move into the book of Acts and you get the story of the early church, first century church, how the Lord used through the power of the Spirit, the apostles to reach and to go and, and to share and the, the growth of the church in the first century. And then as you begin to, to, to read in the book of Romans, I'll never forget, I just felt like I was kind of wading in, into the depths of the understanding of God because Paul kind of goes so deep in his theology and his understanding of who Christ is. And, and one of the things that Paul does through the course of the book of Romans is he paints for us this kind of real clear picture of salvation. This, this real clear understanding of exactly what it takes for a person to get saved. In fact, if you're a Charles Spurgeon fan, Charles Spurgeon says of Romans chapter 10 that it's the whole machinery of salvation. In other words, everything you need to understand about salvation is kind of found in the book of Romans and specifically in the 10th chapter because Paul, one of the reasons I love Paul is he's so logical and he has such a, an interesting progression in his thought process and the way he writes. We're going to see in Romans chapter 10 this very, very clear picture of salvation. Not only salvation, but exactly who could be saved. And so we're going to begin this morning in Romans chapter 10 Verse 9, we have it on the screens. You can read along in your Bible as well. I want you to listen to the words of Paul. Very simply, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul says, listen, there's, there's this simple process here. If you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I would say to you, this is important in verse 9. This, this declaration of your mouth and, and the belief in your heart in Christ leading to salvation is, is more than just you saying it and not actually meaning it. Kind of wrapped up in this idea in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 is the idea that you've not only believed it, you've not only said it, but you've kind of dedicated your life to it. And so I would, I would never, I don't ever question anybody's salvation. That's between you and the Lord. But I would say to you, as you examine your salvation... If you've simply kind of made this declaration in the past that you want to be saved and you've never actually given your life to that truth, you've never actually dedicated yourself to Christ, you're not actually trying to live your life for Him, you may want to kind of back up and just re-examine what the Lord's doing in your life. Because it's not enough just to say it, you need to mean it and do it and live it. Paul says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this entire series is about sin, and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but every kind of one of my sermon divisions, my main points in every one of my sermon divisions has used the word sent. Because I want you to understand we've been sent to accomplish very specific things, but this first truth this morning, I'm not going to use the word sent because I think this truth that I'm going to give you 
is so foundational to what Paul's saying. It's so foundational to our faith that I don't want it to be confused. I don't want you to miss it. And so I'm going to be as clear as I can in this first truth. And then I want to think through it just for a few minutes. Truth number one, we have it on the screen. Right out of Romans chapter 10, 9 through 13, number one. Salvation is found in Christ alone. Salvation is found in Christ alone. Now that that may, may seem elementary to some of you, but for those of you that maybe have never heard that before, I want you to understand this truth, and I want you to hear me loud and clear here. There is no other name under heaven which you may be saved. There's nothing you can do outside of salvation through Christ that will get you to heaven. Salvation is only found in Jesus. Now we're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. I want you to kind of see that and understand that, but I want you to kind of get the picture here of what Paul's trying to say. Because Paul's kind of written this whole book to the church in Rome to help them understand who Christ is and what salvation is. And so I want you to just kind of think with me just for a second about this idea of salvation because I've given you over the course of this study a few weeks ago, I gave you a kind of a real simple outline for sharing your faith. Right, if, if we're sent and we're sent in the power of the Spirit and we're sent to be evangelistic, then one of the things we ought to notice about our lives or one of the things we ought to be doing in our lives on a regular basis is sharing our faith. And so I gave you kind of a a simple outline about how to share your faith a few weeks ago. You may remember it. I said, if you're not quite sure about how to give a testimony or how to share your faith, there's a real simple outline you can use. We use this overseas. We've used it here. It's a, a pretty simple model. Very simply, the first thing you tell somebody when you're thinking about your salvation story and your testimony is you explain to them your life before Christ You explain to them about salvation, how you came to know Christ, and then you explain your life after Christ. So here's what my life was like before Christ. I was a sinner, separated from the Lord, living a life contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. That's before Christ. I had a salvation experience. You can explain what that experience was. And then my life after Christ, (coughs) excuse me, has been very different. Here's how the Lord's used me. Here's how the Lord is working through me. Here are some things that the Lord's doing in my life right now. Now, that model is still true. It's still accurate. It's still very easy. But I want to add something to it today. I want you to understand this idea of sharing your faith and giving your testimony. And I want to add just a few very simple verses to this model that will help you explain to somebody this process of salvation. Now, some of you have probably heard this before. For others, it may be new. But I'm going to give you four very simple verses that you can add to your testimony that will help you share your faith in Christ. It's called the Roman Road. Some people have called it the Roman Road because all the verses are found in the book of Romans and it's kind of a path or a road that leads to salvation. Now, I've got them on the screen and I want you to kind of work through them or think through them with me with the understanding that these are the verses you can use to help explain to somebody this process of salvation. So let's bring these up. I want to show them to you very quickly first. Romans 3.23, if you're sharing your faith, you've kind of talked about your life before Christ, and you want to kind of get into the story of salvation and how Christ saved you, very simple verses you can do, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I'm very careful when I use this verse with somebody, when I'm sharing my testimony, and I speak about sin and falling short of the glory of God, I make sure they understand that word all means them and me. Like, I'm not just talking about you and your sin. 
I'm talking about all of our sin. You sinned, I've sinned, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So in other words, there is nothing you can do outside of Christ that will put you in right standing with the Lord. Why? Because you sinned, you've fallen short of his glory. Romans 3.23. Next, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, right? So if we've all sinned, if we've all fallen short of the glory of the Lord, then the wages of those sin is death. Eventually, if you don't accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to experience this eternal death separated from the Lord. But the gift of God, this is the beautiful picture of salvation, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? So we've all sinned, we've all been separated, the wages or the penalty of sin is death, but the Lord has given us this incredible gift. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? So we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. Romans 6.23, that sin will lead us to death, but the Lord has given us this incredible gift. He's given us this offer of salvation, Romans 5.8, and he's demonstrated his love that while we were sinners, while we were still living in sin, Christ died for us. He gave up his life on the cross, he took our place, and his blood covers our sins. Then Romans 10.9 and 10. We read it just a minute ago. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Just a a very simple model. Now, I just want to challenge you with something. You could memorize these verses. If you can't memorize all of the verses, remember where they're found in Scripture. Carry a little Bible with you. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10 and 9. If you can remember those those four references, you can share your faith with anybody. Very simple model, very easy way to do it. Now, I'm stepping on your toes right now. You ready? Very few of you over the last five minutes had this revelation of, oh, that's amazing. I've never... I've never seen that before. I've never seen those verses. In fact, a lot of y'all probably thought, Romans 3, really? Romans 3, for all of sin, we all know this, Adam. This is nothing new to us. Some of us have heard this a thousand times. We've been told this all our lives in Sunday school. I know Romans 3, I know Romans 6, 23. I get that. There's nothing new about anything you just said. I would agree with you. Here's the problem. Does it matter whether or not you know it? The question is, when's the last time you shared it? Folks, you're, you're, you're sitting on the greatest story ever told. What Christ did in your heart and in your life is a story worth telling over and over and over again. We know the truth. We know the truth, don't we? The question is not how much we know, it's how much are we going to share. Because here, here's the reality of the world we live in. We may understand, bring that first point back up. Salvation is found in Christ alone. We may know that, but there are people just outside of the doors of this church that don't, right? They have no real idea what salvation is. If you think I'm not right, if you think I'm wrong in this, just go ask them. The old faith question that we used to use, and you can phrase it a lot of different ways. We used to say this to people. In your personal understanding, what does it take for a person to go to heaven? And they just let them talk. 
Here's what you're going to get a lot of the time. Well, you know, I just hope I do enough good stuff. I'm going to be nice to people. And when I get to heaven, if I've, if I've got more good than I've got bad, then I hope they let me in heaven. That may be the prevailing wisdom of our world, but it's absolutely untrue biblically. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's not about good works. It's about salvation in Christ alone. So we've been given this truth. We've been given this story. We've been given this foundation. Now I want you to notice what Paul's going to do here, right? He's going to take this truth and he's going to challenge you with it. Look at verse 14 now. Pull that up if you would, please. We know the foundation. We know Christ alone. We get that. Paul's already said, listen, anybody that believes can be saved. We know the truth of the gospel, but then he begins to kind of meddle a little bit. Here's what he says, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? That's a good question. How can somebody call on the name of Christ if they never believed in Christ? And how can they believe in one in whom they've never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now verse 15, here it is. And how can anyone preach unless they are what? Let's try that again. And how can anyone preach unless they are, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Here's truth number two. We we know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's foundational to everything about who we are. But here's the truth. We are sent because many have never heard. This is the argument Paul's making. We are sent because many have have never heard. Now I want you to notice verse 14 again. Pull that up for me if you would please, Stephen. Paul does something very interesting. And again, I love, I love reading Paul because he's very logical and he has a neat progression in the way he writes and you can kind of follow along and track with him. I want you to notice he does something very interesting. He uses the word they or them six times in one verse. This is verse 14. Count with me. How then can they... Call on the one they have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Six times in one verse he talks about that they, who is they, Paul? Who is them? Very simply, they or them is anyone that's not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody that's lost. Now I want to make a distinction because this is very important here. Paul is saying that these people have not believed because they've never heard. Here's the distinction. We're not talking about people that have heard and rejected Christ. We're not talking about people that have heard the truth and just chosen not to follow. We're talking about people that have never actually heard the truth of Jesus Christ. They've never even had the chance one time to accept or reject the gospel. You understand that? Paul says there are literally people in our world that have never heard the gospel. And how are they going to know if somebody doesn't go and tell them? There's an interesting website. If if you're not familiar with it, I'm going to give it to you. It's called joshuaproject.net. I think we have it up for you right here. joshuaproject.net. They kind of focus on uh, the unreached of the world people groups of the world, people that don't yet know. And I love that website because they just give a lot of fascinating statistics about different people groups. And according to joshuaproject.net, they say there are approximately 
500 people groups in the world. Now, a people group, just to define this for you, people who, whose members identify with each other through a common heritage consisting of a common language and a common culture. Now, you find lots of people groups in countries. Okay, so there are lots of people groups within different countries. When you go to South Asia, there are literally thousands of people groups in the areas that we go to. Now, listen to these numbers. These are kind of staggering. Of the 16,500 people groups in the world, approximately 6,685 of them are comprised of less than 2% evangelical Christians. So almost half of all the people groups in the world are comprised of less than 2% Christian. Now, if you add up the numbers of all those people groups, you get about 3.1 billion people that are unreached. Many of them have never heard the name Jesus. Let's just be, let's be clear about this now. Three billion, with a B, over three billion people in our country are unreached. Many of them have never even heard the name Jesus. And so we've got this problem. Paul says, listen, if, if, if people proclaim the name of Christ, if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they, they, they'll be saved, right? The, the problem isn't salvation, The problem isn't Christ. The problem is these people who possibly could accept Jesus have never actually even heard. Nobody's given them the chance to accept or reject. But then he kind of makes this staggering statement in verse 15. Pull that up if you would for me, please. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Here's truth number three. We are sent... To proclaim Christ. That's our calling. We are sent to proclaim Christ. Now verse 15, I want to kind of speak to this just for a second. Because I I don't want you to think you've got an out here. right? Bring 15 up again if you would put me out. I I love what 15 says. And I think some of you may be doing this. I want to kind of just beat you to the punch. How can anyone preach... Unless they are sent. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't, I don't want you to look at that phrase and say, oh, wait a minute. How can anyone preach? Paul must just be speaking to pastors. Because pastors preach. And so, Adam, it's, it's your responsibility, right, to go. and it's your, Adam, you, as a, as a pastor, you've been sent. But maybe you're thinking, I'm kind of off the hook because I don't actually go and preach to anybody. So, Paul must not have been actually speaking to me. Well, let me define the word preach very simply to you. Preach means to proclaim or to announce the good news. So we could reword verse 15 to say something like this. How can anyone proclaim the good news unless they are sent? Paul says there's a, there's a world of people that, that don't yet know Christ. And by the way, let me just let me be clear about this. A lot of times we kind of think through this idea of, of going around the world to share our faith. There are people in LaGrange that don't know Jesus. It's, it's amazing what our, what, what, what our society has kind of become and, and the numbers of people that have come to our country and, and, and now part of our culture. And we have the opportunity. I mean, you literally, I, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this, you can drive to Atlanta and reach almost every people group in the world. Did you know that? One of the most diverse cities in the world. I mean, you, you could pick one of these 16,500 people groups and there's a chance that within the city of Atlanta or the outskirts of Atlanta, there's a person from that people group there. Paul says the problem isn't that that there's not enough people that need to hear. The the problem is there's not enough people that want to go and share. And so here's what we do. We we, we, we see this truth and we begin to, uh, hopefully you're beginning to see scripturally that we've been sent 
called to do something, proclaim the name of Christ. But we kind of justify not going because we're afraid. I'm afraid, Adam. I, I just don't know if I can share my faith. I don't really know what to say. What if they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to? Where, where am I going to find time to go share? And on and on these excuses go. And so we kind of justify this. We justify our lack of evangelism and our lack of sharing faith. And we, we kind of come to this place and we say something like this. Look, I can't go because I'm afraid. Uh, I know I've been sent, but I'm not really going to go. I'm afraid. I don't have the right words. On and on. So I'm just going to send some money. Or I'm going to send some tracts. Or I'm going to encourage our pastors to go and share. And all those things are good. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of those things. We should send money and tracts and Bibles. And we should encourage our pastors to go. And all those things are right. Here's the problem for you individually. You're called to go. And you can't just justify and make excuses for not going. Just because you're afraid. You know, it's scary for me to share my faith. Did you know that? I still get nervous. It's scary for me to go overseas and preach. Did you know that? I still get nervous. Fear is normal. It's natural. It's kind of part of what happens in our walk. But trusting the Lord means we kind of come to this place of fear and we say, you know what, I'm really scared to death to do this, Lord. But you've called me to do it. You've sent me to proclaim Christ. And so I'm going to kind of step through my fears, Lord. And I'm going to trust you that on the other side of my fear, you're going to use me to do great things. And guess what? He will. Because he's not sending us alone. We go in the power of the Spirit. I love what we saw a couple of weeks ago as we were studying Paul and Barnabas and their call in, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13 specifically where, where the Holy Spirit kind of calls out Paul and Barnabas and sets them apart. And then there's this interesting kind of combination that the Holy Spirit sends and the church sends. And we talked about the partnership between the Spirit and the church. The Spirit kind of calls you out. The church acknowledges that and then the church sends you to go. And we see in Scripture how the Lord time and time again talks about the, the, the power he gives to the church and how he sends people through the church and how the Spirit will use you and how the power of the Spirit will work through you to go and to be sent and to accomplish great things. And you say, what, what does it look like when, when somebody goes? What, what's, what's kind of the final result? Pull up verse 15. I want, I want to finish up with this this morning. I love how Paul finishes. Again, the progression, right? If you, if you trust Christ, if you believe in him, you'll be saved but how can people be saved unless they've heard? And how can they hear unless somebody is sent to preach? And so you need to go. And he says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know, I believe with all my heart that one of the reasons we don't share our faith enough is because we've kind of forgotten what it's like to be lost. We're so used to being Christians and we're so used to our faith that we forgot what it was like before we were saved. We, we, we don't remember or we, or we can't quite understand what it's like to be without Christ. But I would say to you, if you could kind of change places with that person that's never heard the truth of the gospel. If you kind of ex exchange places with them and, and live their life just for a moment. Understanding that if they continue to be separated from the Lord. 
if they continue to be separated from Christ, then in the end there will be spiritual death and there will be eternity separated from the Lord. If you could trade places with them and understand kind of where they're headed and what lies before them, then when the person comes to bring, maybe for the first time ever, the good news of Jesus Christ, how beautiful is that person? How beautiful is that good news because it brings hope and it brings peace and it brings love and it brings life abundantly and it brings life everlasting. Paul says the problem is real. The calling is real. You've been sent to go. Be active in your faith. Rely on the power of the Spirit and allow the Lord to do great things through you. Some of you don't even know this yet, but God's calling you to do great things in your life. You had not quite figured it out yet. You're still processing through it. Maybe it's a lack of faith or understanding or a combination or fear or for whatever reason, you're just not quite certain yet what the Lord wants to do. But I want to promise you something. I want to promise you something biblically. Not only does the Lord have a plan for you, but he has sent you to accomplish that plan. He sent you to do something amazing. He sent you to make a difference in his kingdom for his honor and for his glory. The question is not, has the Lord sent us? The question very simply is, what has God sent you to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, again, the truth of your word. It's very clear and understandable, Father. We've been sent with a purpose and a calling. Lord, I pray we would just take that calling very seriously, that you would just speak to us and through us and give us just a clear understanding of your will, of your purpose, Lord, of, of what you've sent us to do, whether that's at home or at work or overseas or somewhere here in the Grange or somewhere in between, Lord. We have been sent to accomplish your purposes. Give us a real clear understanding of what you're sending us to do. Lord, we want to serve you in all things, so give us the ability to hear from you, to know you, to deepen our faith, and we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is always open. You can come and pray about being sent, what the Lord's calling you to do. You can talk to me about salvation or membership but this is your time to respond you come as we sing together thank you for joining today's sermon we would love to hear how today's message blessed you use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org god bless